0: What's going on everybody and welcome to episode 50 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton, he's Pat Zhang, and it is so exceptionally fitting that today is the 50th regular weekly episode of the Did You Hear podcast because Pat, it might have just been the best day of your life it there have been <laughs> other things that have happened in your life that might have been great but of all the things of all the unexpected things that could have happened in baseball free agency nobody in their wildest dreams would have expected max scherzer to be a new york met and pat that is exactly what happened
1: Happy Mad Max Day. I mean, <laughs> my Lord, uh, Max Scherzer a New York Met. Not only is Max Scherzer a New York Met starling, Marte, Mark Canna, uh, as well as Eduardo Escobar are New York Mets over the last couple days. Um, let's go back to Steve Cohen from a year ago. We will not spend like drunken sailors and I cannot mm. just give myself credit on this one because I did not come up with it, but it was too good. As Eamon McEnany said on SNY, well, the Navy's in and it is fleet week because the sailors are <gasps> drunk in New York right now. And it is beautiful because wow. my God, Max Scherz is in New York, Met.
0: Oh my God. Can you say what you told me about Paul Revere? Will that be making the podcast?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I When Emma and I were texting on Sunday night, when things were starting to break for Scherzer, inching towards a Mets deal, uh, I said that I was going to be so amped up that night that I would make a midnight run through King of Prussia, just as Paul Revere had a little bit, f- a little more famous uh, midnight ride a couple years ago. So uh, I thought it was fitting.
0: A couple years ago. I don't know how much more famous that would have been. I don't know. Fair. This, it this would have been was, comparable. It would have been comparable. I mean, this is one of the best sports days that I can remember in a long, long time. I think this is better than the trade deadline. Oh, because by
1: far. especially ex- for me,
0: <laughs> especially <laughs> for <you>. Exactly. <laughs> this is how this is exactly how I wanted to start it. It was one of the best sports days that I've had in a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. And the Red
0: Sox didn't make a single move. Yeah, it's just that this is so good for baseball. So you know that we're going to be talking everything that has happened before the lockout, which is great. I had Pat and I had a very professional, respectable list of things that we were going to talk about, and we have completely thrown that out the window because it will be much more fun for us to just go on a whim and talk about the most impactful signings, the craziest trades, the biggest extensions. We are going to get through everything because it has been one of the craziest 70 to 72 hours in recent baseball memory
1: yeah what a phenomenal past couple days for baseball uh it's so weird because the lockout which i think we all view as a bad thing actually has turned into the best thing for the sport because it has forced teams to be able to and players to be able to move very quickly around here if they do want to have these things locked up (laughs) before the lockout does happen to go into effect later this week um isn't that the most major league baseball thing of all time? Um, I don't know what else would be
0: <laughs> a terrible thing that's actually working out in the favor. Yeah, it's I think it is going to be obviously a long dry period from the beginning of December to, oh, my God, I don't know yet,
1: February, I think early February is probably yeah. when this thing gets resolved. I mean, there's always a chance that they break it out much quicker. Uh, which would be great, but I think if we're targeting the most likely date, it would be early February just due to that's when both players and owners are going to start looking at the calendar and be like, oh, crap, spring training's about to start. We got to get this thing figured out.
0: Yeah, and I heard Joel Sherman talking about this on MLB Network. The success that this literal three-day period has had makes me want a free agency signing period. Mm -hmm. I would rather this and then have a bunch of slow months Than wait over a five-month period and get one guy here and then one guy three weeks later and then another guy here. I think this is so much better and it's so much fun to just keep up with the frenzy of it all and to have episodes like this where we can just... Talk about everything because so much is happening. Oh, my God.
1: MLB usually takes more of that faucet approach where, you know, drip comes out here, drip comes out there as a guy signs up through the course of the offseason. You usually don't get any of the bigger players until mid-December. Even right, they start a lot goes into January and February. I'd be really interested to see if as these bargaining agreements do go on, if Major League Baseball realizes how cool this was for their fan base. And of course, MLB is always trying to attract younger fans and and try and put something into effect that expedites the free agent process. I'm not sure if the players will ever allow it, but it's a topic for conversation because clearly this has been so, so cool for the sport to have all of these big moves happening so quickly.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the fans in the sport, but I do think it is such a relief for a lot of these players to have signed the contracts already. Yeah, a lot of the big names have not come off the board yet, but again, and we will say we are recording this at 7:30 on Monday night. So, there is absolutely nothing stopping a huge Carlos Correa go- deal to go down literally the minute we start recording because I just have a hor- uh, we stop recording, excuse me. I have a horrible feeling something like that is going to happen, but I think it's nice that a lot of these players were able to sign these big contracts before the three, four month lockout. I think that must be a big sigh of relief. There obviously are some people, like I mentioned, that are going to wait it out to try and get the most money possible, but Mm -hmm. definitely doesn't seem like there's been, uh, any pinching of money so far. Owners have been pretty, pretty spending pro so far.
1: Yeah. I have that number in front of me. I was going to wait till uh, later in the show to be able to get to it. But, uh, as we stand right now, and this is with many big names not coming off the, uh, off the market uh major league baseball has committed more than 1.4 billion dollars already
0: yep and i believe i don't know if stop me if you're going to get into this later the record is 2.1 billion
1: correct the record is 2.1 billion that should be blown by this one exactly it might wait it might take until mid to late february for that to happen with the lockout impending but it's gonna happen
0: i mean without correa without stroman without Conforto, and Castellanos, it's it's absurd how many mm-hmm. guys are still out there and we are still in the very, very early goings of things. Yeah. I think we should start with the Mets. I think we should start from the one of the first moves that happened and work our way all the way up through Scherzer because I think that okay. would make you happiest, Pat.
1: Okay, that's totally
0: fair. So Eddie Escobar goes first, very versatile second and third baseman. He was the Diamondbacks all-star nod. Do you think that was a legit all-star nod or do you think it was the Diamondbacks pick?
1: No, I, I do think he deserved it. He was really, really okay. good for Arizona to start. Yes, of course, it, it helps when you play for an atrocious team. Um, but 22 first half home runs or 22 home runs while on the Diamondbacks is uh, you know pretty solid. I think that'll get you in the all-star game.
0: Oh, definitely. And then Mark Canna goes after him. Really one of the most underrated players in all of baseball such a good outfielder, such a good leadoff guy, really nice depth piece for the Mets, if not a starter. Yeah. And then the two big guys came down, Starling Marte to be the starting everyday center fielder for the Mets, a position that's been lacking for so long, four years, $78 million. And then on Monday, after days, it seemed like years of negotiations, Monday morning, Max Scherzer signs for three years, a dollars million dollars. that's a 43.3 million dollar average annual value which absolutely crushes the previous high which belonged to garrett cole that was 36 million dollars a year
1: yep yep hit all the points there canna i think is going to be a starting right fielder for the Mets this year which is exciting to be able to get his on-base percentage you know a decent athlete out there and we know he's got a little bit of pop of course things start to get very exciting once you get into Starling Marte uh, the Mets have been looking for a true center fielder for pretty much as long as I can remember you know even going back to when they made the World Series they played Ioannis Cespedes in center who very clearly was not a center fielder uh, Michael Conforto has been there over the years he's a plus corner outfielder but not a center fielder Brandon Nimmo has been there for a while uh, you know, w- was poor in center for, for a long time, was actually above average in center field last year, which I think is kind of funny that they finally bring in a center fielder after they got positive outs above average <laughs> from him. Uh, yeah. but, but hopefully, you know, it, it does help prolong his health and make him a little better and, and take less of a toll on his body. Starling Marte coming in is huge because it adds, and as we said, that true center fielder, uh, you know, a, a guy with speed, 47 stolen bases, I believe. Uh, he had a year ago, mm-hmm. That's something the Mets, I believe the Mets had just over, you know, <laughs> around 47 as a team, just as over it. Yep. So kind of crazy to bring that in. Of course, a contact hitter as well. We know about the power. He's been a, a guy the Mets have looked at for a couple of years. They've tried to acquire through trade, have not been able to do it, jumped all over it in free agency. And a uh, really, really big move. And one I am pumped about, because he should slot in as the, I would guess the number two hitter uh, behind Nimmo and in front of Lindor.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I I, I just immediate front runner for the best team coming out of free agency. And it's the end of November. It's, it's unbelievable how big these moves are a, because it prevented a team like New York from picking Marte up B because Marte is just bonafide. One of the best center fielders in baseball. And then also the point that I think is really interesting is now Brandon Nimmo will most likely be the starting left fielder. That's what you said. Correct. Correct. Even if he doesn't though, now you have a guy like if Eddie Escobar plays third base, you have a guy like JD Davis coming off the bench. Mm -hmm. You have Dom Smith coming off the bench, depending on what they do with Javi Baez. You might have Jeff McNeil coming off the bench. All of these moves so far have made New York such a deeper team and all teams struggle with injuries. Last year, I think, I think as time goes on and especially in Steve Cohen's tenure this is going to be the bottom. Last year is going to be the bottom of the barrel. I hope they so. had say so, yeah exactly. They had such a good core and they had such high hopes and so much potential and then everybody was bad at the right time or at the same time and that doesn't normally happen. It just seems like that weakness was immediately resolved because they're building depth and yes the players by themselves is good are good. But now you have options and not a lot of teams have that. That's what has been so strong to me about these picks, about these moves so far. Yeah, sure. They're still building depth for sure because they are
1: going to lose Michael Conforto now. So you'd think they'd go out and try to look for another outfielder. But you add Eduardo Escobar, who, as you said, can play third, can play second, you know, if they so choose a switch hitter as well, which can really help balance that lineup. Jeff McNeil is still there can play second, third, either corner outfield position. So some versatility there, I would not be surprised whatsoever if at least one of JD Davis and Dom Smith are traded uh, for, you know, some sort of upgrade in pitching or, or maybe mm-hmm. to go for an, a different type of bench player. Um, but as you said, if they are on the bench, they, they give you some pretty formidable guys to, to be able to pull up there. You know, JD hits, he, he cannot field, but he can certainly yeah. hit. Dom had an incredible 2020 and a rough 21. So Uh, I I think things are still changing, you know, and they're, they're still figuring things out, but the team got much, much better. And that is
0: before we get to Max Scherzer. (laughs) Yeah. And just one last point on that too. We still don't know about the DH. So this could, this could potentially get even deeper, even more formidable. If you have a guy like Dom Smith hit or a guy like JD Davis just hit and you don't have to worry about the defensive side.
1: Yeah, no, you're certainly right. So something that'll come out of the collective bargaining
0: agreement, but uh, we don't know it yet. Yeah. I, I think. If the if it's not a user universal DH, I would be truly floored. As would I. Yeah, yeah, I, I think. it's All good. right, <laughs> that's this talk was all nice, but we we got to talk about Scherzer. I mean, wow. thinking about him, actually, I I haven't even thought this: is Scherzer going to be the ace or the two? No,
1: nah, he's the two. He's definitely the he's two. The two. Yeah, Jacob Degrom <laughs> going to be your opening day. As long as he's healthy, of course, which is still a True. question because. I can't say the Mets were ever too forthcoming on what the issue was that shut DeGrom down from July on. Uh, We've been told he is going to be healthy and is fine and will be good to go. But all things considered, I would expect Jacob DeGrom be going out there. Game one, game two will be Max Scherzer. Best part about that, the New York Mets open up the 2022 season against the Washington Nationals. You're kidding. Who will be paying Max Scherzer $15 million next year to pitch against them.
0: Yeah, that's brutal, brutal, brutal stretch. Uh, I mean, what and in just an incredible one, two punch so far, the spending that the Mets have had so far, 124 and a half million dollars. And that seems like a lot of money. And it is when you're spending 43 million of it a year on Max Scherzer. But I pulled up baseball reference has this really cool page where you can compare stats and you can put in. Time ranges and years and all that, and I did Degrom versus Scherzer from 2016 to 2021, mm-hmm. and their numbers are just exceptional. Yeah, there's Degrom. Like Degrom has a 163 ERA plus. Scherzer is 157. Degrom's FIP is a 262. Scherzer's is a 29. Both of their WHIPs are sub a thousand. Both of them barely give up one home run per nine innings. Both of them strike out over 11 batters per game. It's quite literally. Two of the best pitchers of this generation, and we were robbed of the best pitching yearly performance of our generation last year because of DeGrom's injuries. But to think about how dominant those two have been, how dominant they will continue to be, and now we get to see them two days after each other.
1: Yeah, no, it's fair. And the, the funny thing is, too, about that 120 number that you referenced, that was before Scherzer. That was with yep. just the three that got it, the three position players. that got it on Friday, then Ed and Scherzer, and they're well over 200 million in outlay already yep. as we sit here in November, which is pretty wild. Um, as you said, there there's not another team that can throw out a one-two punch like that out there. Again, yes, of course, much of this does come down to health. But it also has a ripple effect, uh, you know, going with Marte, too. As you said, the Yankees were in for him. Of course, that doesn't really affect the Mets, but the Phillies really wanted Starler Marte. So, of course, that's a direct division rival. For Scherzer, they pull him away from the Los Angeles Dodgers, of course, a team that will certainly be competing for a National League pennant this year. I think that is completely huge. You throw him in there new, in New York. Steve Cohen, and, and what they're really trying to do is rework the culture with this Mets team because it was so toxic. For so long under the Wilpon reign, you bring in a guy like Francisco Lindor, you know, everything you've heard about the three position players we just went through is that they are incredibly well liked, especially
0: likeable. Yeah, Yeah.
1: especially Marte and Escobar. And now you throw in one of the biggest, if not the biggest competitor in the game to be your second pitcher behind Jacob Degrom. (laughs) Uh, culture starts to change pretty quickly that way. So, uh, I, I mean, they're building it. There are still things to go. You know, that pitching staff still needs to be flushed out a little bit more. But I, I, I could spend this whole episode really giving you a full Mets breakdown. I won't do it, but it is incredible to add Max Scherzer, a guy who, when he came to the Dodgers, went seven and zero with a sub two ERA. a sub two ERA and a point eight whip with 12 strikeouts per nine I, I but if you read some on twitter i was told he's done and that i was just <laughs>
0: that's exactly where i was gonna go all right we're gonna put those those horrible takes to bed right here i love your point about the culture also the competitiveness mm-hmm. that de and scherzer will bring now oh my god i cannot even imagine facing either of them okay so Before I even let you answer this question, I'll pose it to you, but then I have something to say before you just jump out of your chair because I know what your question is, what your answer is going to be. He's 37 years old, and he signed a three-year deal. Sure. I, But to put it nicely, I don't understand how people are saying this is a bad contract because Scherzer had arguably his best season of his career numbers-wise and opponent batting average-wise, as in his stuff was just unhittable this year. And he was 37 years old. He's given absolutely no indication that any pitch, any part of his body, anything about him is on the decline. And now he's going into a market, he's going onto a team that is Pretty much World Series or bust for 2022 and well, beyond I'm 2022. Go there yet. Is, you know, <laughs> I'm not
1: ready to go there yet. Let's make the playoffs first. But yes, they, they will be competing for a pennant.
0: It's just unbelievable to me that people are saying this is a bad contract. And it, it's not even about the money. They're saying it's a bad contract because he's 37 years old. Max Scherzer has shown no, has given no reason for anyone to think that just because he's 37, he has anything less in the tank.
1: Are we really going to doubt Max Scherzer? Like, that's what I mean. I, all I have yeah. to say is go to the man's baseball reference page. Yeah. And just look at it. So, I, I'm not concerned at all with the fact that he's 37. Listen, if you want to talk to me about Starling Marte being 32 and signing a four year contract, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can voice those concerns that maybe years three and four aren't going to be great. And he's probably not going to be a center fielder at that point. You can make that case. I have no problem with that. I, I don't understand nitpicking Max freaking Scherzer.
0: <laughs> Everyone should just be counting their blessings. I mean, really.
1: Yeah, and, and this and this is a super cool stat from Sarah Langs, who does an unbelievable job uh, on on all of her baseball numbers. Now with Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom, uh, of course being here, this is the Scherzer is the seventh multi times Cy Young Award winner to pitch for the New York Mets. That is two more. Or excuse me, three more than any other franchise. Wow. Wow! It, it, the Mets, it's an organization that, you know, from Kuzman to Seaver to Gooden to Santana to DeGrom, you add insurers, it's always been built on pitching. That is how the Mets have won. And yes, I get it. They've only won two World Series, but they have always done their winning through pitching. And you just added the best pitcher of the 2010s, along with Clayton Kershaw, along with Jacob DeGrom, to your rotation as your secondary guy. Um, I can't begin to put into words how seismic this is for an organization that has been trying to find its way since the world series appearance in
0: 2015. Yeah. Well said. So I'll ask you straight up what else needs to be done. And do you think they will be able to live up to the expectations because the expectations were too much last year Yeah, and then you go out and add a surefire hall of famer.
1: No, that's fair. And I don't want to go too long on the Mets so that we can go with some other places. But uh, I do think, as I said, pitching staff needs to get flushed out a little bit. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, of course, you know, had Walker had the All Star season where All Star first half really fell apart in the second half. Carrasco was never able to really get going um, after he uh, he came back from the hamstring tear. So I I don't know how much you can rely rely on him. Of course, he's got the pedigree that he's done it before. So I'd love to see at least another starter get added in uh, to the rotation. Of course, bullpen still needs to be looked at a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm again, looking at depth pieces uh, for position players to try to build out that bench. Uh, The biggest key I would say is that Javier Baez is most definitely not a must for the New York Mets. It's a nice thing to have if you want to go with that. If he if you're able to go with a contract kind of more on your terms, I still think Chris Bryant would be the better fit that I'd like. If we're going there, it's insane to still be mentioning shopping in that sort of aisle here after all the <laughs> signings the Mets have made, but that that's how I look. They they need to still keep working on improving the pitching and going upgrading in the margins because once they went to their depth pitching last year, that's where things completely fell apart.
0: Yeah, I I, I completely agree with you. You can have the best one 2 punch in the league, but if you have, complete bums for three, four, five, you are still going to struggle. And I Mm -hmm. full wholeheartedly believe that and and bullpen as well. It just really seems like the MO so far this off season has been players signing huge contracts in terms of years. So I feel like we have to go to Texas next, right? Marcus Simeon starts things off over the weekend, seven years 175 million dollars he was he was the second aisle in terms of all the short stops available and the the Rangers nab him first he's the first domino to, to, to go you talked about Marte being 36 in his final year Semin will be 38 in the final year of his contract and then the absolute whale that luckily got signed before we were yes.
1: the, before we
0: started recording Corey Seager, 2020 World Series MVP, 2020 World Champion, 10 years, $325 million to Texas. Texas won 60 games last year, Pat, and they just signed the best middle infield in all of baseball.
1: I love what Texas is doing and the fact that they're going all in. Um, and again, it shows a point uh, that was made a little earlier in the day. I, I wish I could credit who it was that there aren't poor franchises. There are franchises that decide they don't want to spend. And, oh, and, I
0: saw that. Yeah. Who, and it's, who it's like true. It. Yeah.
1: Um, and here with Texas, you're seeing a team that's decided, okay, it's, it's time to jump in here. I think it's really interesting based on the state of the American League West. We know how good the Houston Astros are. You would expect the Angels to continue to rebound and get a little better. Mike Trout being healthy, all that. But for Texas to now decide we're going to be players in this. I saw the Simeon deal, and the first thing I thought was good for Marcus because I think it's it's a lot of years and a lot of money, uh, even though Simeon, we know how good he's been the past couple years. The Corey Seager deal I think is a complete home run for them to lock up kind of one of the premier shortstops. Again, take him away. He was the perfect fit for the New York Yankees, Corey Seager. And to then land him in Texas, A-Rod style, with that contract mm-hmm. from many, many years ago, I think is an interesting parallel there. Uh, I love what they did. Seager's definitely the one I'm more excited for. But currently, looking at that middle infield, knowing Simeon and Seager are going to play together, it's pretty pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, my my number is about the Rangers. So maybe we can can keep this limited because I think it's a really good one. When I saw these the, the years on the contract, the first thing I thought of was, oh, wow, so they're just going to completely skip over the rebuild. When you sign Corey Seager for 10 years, you're not wasting any of those years. They're not going to go the Bryce Harper style, which is sign him for 10 or 13 years, whatever his contract was, and kind of sit the first three years because that's what the Phillies have been doing. The Rangers are going all in because yes, they have the money to spend. They also have the farm system to package guys and continue to bolster that rotation because really that's, that's the only thing that needs serious help right now. They also signed John Gray four years, 56 million. Personally, I don't think that contract will work out. I think that is far too much of a commitment for John Gray. I was truly expecting him to sign a two-year deal coming off of course field but the Seager, Semien, you lock those guys down. This is their future now. You let the young guys develop. You package them, get a frontline starter like Shane Bieber, like Trevor Rogers. This AL West is going to be unbelievable. Every t- everybody talks about the AL East being the best team for the next 10 years. How could you not put the AL West in that conversation right now?
1: Yeah. I, I told you the American league West just because, became one of, if not the most intriguing divisions in all baseball with looking yeah. at that, you know, those three teams towards the top. And that's not even saying the Seattle Mariners that we haven't mentioned yet. Oh yeah. That of course there's have gone on a splurge and I think are going to continue to add. So it's really four teams down there. Cause I think Oakland is going to really, This is going to be a rough offseason in Oakland. I think they're going to well, <laughs> just take that The best that team thing apart. for them
0: would just be to sell all their guys. And that's yeah. what they're going to
1: do. Uh, I have a feeling. So it's four teams. Excuse me. I misspoke when I said three earlier that are going to be battling at it and how much fun that is going to be. I, as I said, I love, love, love the Seager contract for the Rangers. I think the Simeon one might bite them a little earlier than, than people think, but listen, coming off the year he had, I think it's tough to doubt it. Um, yep. This is fun. <laughs> this is fun. That's the way I look at it.
0: Yeah, coming off the year Semien had, he took a flyer on himself for one year, and my God, did it pay off like no other, right? This is the whole offseason will be trying to find the next Marcus Semyon and Robbie Ray, and combined between them, they signed a seven-year $175 million deal and a five-year $115 million deal. I think they're doing pretty well for themselves right now.
1: I would say so. Um, it's it's Wow. That's, that's the biggest thing I can put to it. Corey Seager is going to be stuck. Like, he, he really is. I, like, whatever I've said it a million times. So like we, we don't have to keep, keep having me repeat myself, but.
0: <laughs> as long as he stays healthy. And, and the horrible thing is that his injuries, he got hit in the hand and broke his hand and missed a couple of months. That's not injury prone. That's just an unfortunate injury that happens to a guy. If he can stay on the field. He is going to get so much out of this 10year contract that it that number doesn't scare me at all because he's such a good player and he's going to be so productive for so long.
1: to your point with him, it's all about health it's yeah. it's can he stay healthy because he has not played a bunch of full seasons but whenever he is on the field, not many like him
0: yeah all right I think we, we set it up perfectly to talk about Ray and the Mariners yeah because let's do it this was not a pairing that I saw coming, did you?
1: I thought Seattle was going to be aggressive. Uh, I thought Gosman was probably their guy, and then of mm. course he went to Toronto. Um, I think they still might make a play for a guy like Michael Conforto. Seems to make a ton of sense as a West Coast guy that went to Oregon State. It just it feels right there. I can't say I predicted 115 million for Robbie Ray though. Yeah,
0: it's crazy. I, it's interesting too because obviously Ray was with was with Toronto last year, and Gosman. And Ray had the same exact contract. Basically Ray had 115 over five and Gosman had 110 over five. So maybe Toronto, I, I don't know. I don't understand how could, how that could have happened if Toronto seemed to make it very clear that they wanted Ray to stay.
1: Yeah. And what I'll say too, for Ray is good for him to be able to, of course, he's coming off the ridiculous year where he wins a Cy Young, but yeah. you know, I wondered what that qualifying offer would do to his value yeah. because for a guy that, yes, of course, is coming off the Cy Young, but we've talked about a million times throughout the show over the season, you know, the inconsistencies that he had throughout his career, I wondered if that really would, you know, say, have a team be like, no, you know, we're not interested in shelling out that type of money or that type of years and lose that, you know, top draft pick or one of their top draft picks over it. Clearly Seattle went for it knowing that The picks are a little bit further back, of course, because they had the really great year and he was still able to turn five years and 115 million out of it. So uh, it's, you know, I would say all things considered, he did pretty well for himself after a one-year deal.
0: I just think it's genius for the team that Seattle has too. They they played with house money last year and were playing meaningful games up until game 162. Mm -hmm. They quite literally were a game away from making the playoffs and now they just signed the, the reigning AL Cy Young winner next year they're going to get back a fully healthy Kyle Lewis they'll probably going to get a full season of Julio Rodriguez and a full season of Jared Kelnick and and um is it Tyler Gilbert yeah or Logan Logan Gilbert, Logan. Logan Gilbert sorry Logan Gilbert and Chris Flexen. Robbie Ray is the postseason experience the anchor of that rotation, the veteran that this young Seattle team needs, because that right now is what's separating Houston from Seattle mm-hmm. and what's separating Houston from Los Angeles. Los Angeles is still definitely a couple of moves away, but I think Seattle needed the guy and Ray is so the guy, do I ever think he's going to put up numbers like he did in 2021? No, Probably not. Definitely not. I am going to go as far as to say definitely not. But as long as that walk rate doesn't go as high up as it was a couple That's of years ago, he'll be fine. And he still has the velocity and other players will develop around him. You add maybe one or two more bats and Seattle is going to be so dangerous.
1: Again, you know, we talk about these teams that I don't think you would expect to spend. And here we are as we record this, because these numbers are absolutely going to change a trillion times. Yep, um, yep. Third, but Texas, almost $600 million outlay, Toronto, 120, Seattle, 115, Detroit, 77, Miami, 53. You know, th- there are all these different teams, these smaller market teams are, or teams that haven't been bidding towards the top end of free agency over the past couple of years. Well, they are in this year, which... I think only goes to our previous points throughout the season of the health of baseball, which I know it can sound conflicting as we move towards a lockout. That's just because it's a negotiating tactic. It's just because the CBA is expiring there. Um, But where baseball actually is right now, clearly it's in a pretty good spot.
0: Oh yeah. And health is in just the level of competition too. Mm -hmm. You could name a lot of divisions right now where I can't tell you who the clear favorite is. I cannot tell you with full confidence that Houston is the favorite in the AL West right now. No Ooh, way. I like it. I can't tell you that the Rays, are the favorite in the AL East, not after everything that Toronto did, not after the off seasons that we expect Boston and in New York to have. No, I think there's a, still a lot of movement to be done. And the last point about the, the parody too, if I had to list off the winners of the off season so far, I would say the Mets, the blue Jays. The Mariners, maybe throw the Tigers in there, the Rangers in there. Not one of those teams was a playoff team. Yeah, last great year. point. So they are starting from the bottom. They're obviously horrible examples like the Pirates and the Orioles who just rebuild for years and years and years and can't get themselves out of it. But the Rangers were awful last year. I wouldn't be surprised if this team is legitimately back in the World Series in two or three years. It's just the core that they have. And it comes back to money. It comes back to spending. But like Pat said, all of these teams can spend. It's just if they have the right executive leadership and they have the right plan that can get them there to make some really serious moves for players that are going to work out.
1: Yeah, The Rays just locked up Wanda Franco for 200 million dollars. Don't tell me that the Rays have no money and no resources. Exactly. They just it, listen, it's how they operate. I get it, but it kind of goes to our point. Uh, <laughs> that we're going to I refer to Seattle too because I do want to put these two together. They traded for Adam Fraser over the weekend, which, yep. Yeah, good point. Thank you. First off, what a disaster from San Diego. Uh that it just it didn't work out there. And then they flip them so quickly and for not a lot in return, uh, reportedly, at least based on prospect rankings for Seattle. Why the heck not make this move and try to upgrade your offense? Find a guy you can plug in all over the diamond, find a, you know, a really solid contact hitter. I really like taking a I'll say in quotes flyer on Adam Frazier, a guy who was an all-star, you know, this year for the Pirates. Um uh, you go hand in hand with Ray. I still think they're not done in free agency. As I said, Michael Conforto just feels like it fits. So I could see that happening out there. They've already given up a draft pick for Ray. So why not give up another one to sign Conforto? Um, it, it, this American League West, I think Jeff Passon tweeted it earlier. Uh, it's the American League West's world and we're all just living in it. Yep.
0: <laughs> why not Castellanos on that mix too? Yeah. For the outfield help. Yeah, it's brutal to call Adam Frazier a flyer. That's because why yeah. he was so coveted at the trade deadline. And I remember talking about that move with you, thinking about how big it was. And mm-hmm. it was a little, it was a little odd that the Padres were the team to go after him because of all the middle infield depth that they had. And then he just fell off a cliff. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he was able to get some of that production back. The Mariners also are just a really young team, a lot of depth. Always the unheralded heroes, the Ty Francis, the JP Crawford, who has an unbelievable season out of nowhere. Sure. Yeah. Watch out for the Mariners. Watch out for the Mariners. If they can add a couple bullpen pieces too, they're going to be set this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. So we'll see how they continue. But it is an arms race out, out there on the West Coast. Yep.
0: And it seems so far, I was going to say that it seems like all these big deals have been pitchers, but that's really not true because we've only had two of the top four shortstops or top five Uh, shortstop really go so far.
1: Yeah. You're still going to have your Correa, Bryant, obviously buy a story all in there that there's going to be a lot of money shelled out.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the Castellanos and Confortos. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Strowmans. All right. Where should we go next?
1: I say we're getting towards the end of my list for bigger ones. So it's not a free agent. But it is an extension, and I just find it so interesting. The Byron Buxton deal—that's Yeah, that's, you know, that's
0: exactly what I was going go to go. There next you go. To that.
1: <laughs> so seven years, a hundred million dollars. I think a lot of people freaked out when they saw this number and 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 called it, say, like a Ronald Acuna or an Ozzy Albie's type deal. I really don't think it's that because Byron Buxton's awesome. I've talked about Byron Buxton. I love Byron Buxton. I think he's so exciting. He physically cannot stay on the field. He just can't. He is injured all the time. I believe he's played over a hundred games just once over the past couple of years. Uh, it's just, it, yeah, just once in his career, actually, as I pull it up uh, in, in 2017, seventeen, has been around since 2015. He is so tantalizing talent wise. He's got the speed. He's got the power. He's got the glove, but I, he's just, he's never out there enough for him to really get up high up there in the salary numbers for the twins. You know, they're able to lock him in at that number. And for Buxton, a guy that, again, I just said, gets hurt all the time. He just guaranteed himself $100 million. Oh, dollars great for Buxton. Yeah. And a full no trade clause. So I think, I know we often like to look at these and say, you know, what deal was great? Who won where? I think both sides won here.
0: Really? I thought yeah, you were going to say that whole thing and then say that you don't think that the, sh- the twins should have given it to him. No. So you I've, think, I, despite all of the injury concerns, this was the right move for him? Because what
1: it is, say he does stay healthy.
0: Yeah. The twins just this locked up
1: steal. the yeah. best homegrown player they've had in what, since Joe Maurer? Um, yeah. To, to $100 million over seven years. It's completely worth it. For me, it's worth the gamble for them.
0: Interesting. So I'll take it even further. I had some crazy stats about Buxton. Seven year career, like you said. He hasn't played more than 92 games in a season only once or, or hasn't played more than once, never hit 20 home runs. He's never stolen 30 bases. He's never even had 500 at bats. In fact, he's only exceeded 300 at bats once. So the injury concerns are so apparent that he wasn't traded at the trade deadline, despite the twins, just being one of the worst teams in the league last year. When you think about, when you think about it positively, optimistically, if Byron Buxton even has, honest to God, if he has one season like he did back in 2017, like he did at the beginning of the season before he got hurt, I think it's worth it. One or two seasons like that. He's had the 40-30 power, the, the, the 40-30 potential every mm-hmm. single year of his career, and he hasn't been able to put it together because of injuries. The bigger question to me was just I just don't really understand the Twins because the worst thing that could happen is just to let Buxton continue to age and not put the necessary pieces around him. The the farm system's not in great shape. The rotation's not in great shape. The supplementary fielders and hitters around Buxton aren't in great shape. They're going to have to make some moves quickly in order for this to pay off and to get the true potential of what Buxton can be because I think what that is a really high caliber player, a really high contributor on a playoff team.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I, he was the interesting one because, you know, he was linked to the Phillies and a lot of teams are looking for a center fielder and someone that they can throw out there. And, of course, now he's not going anywhere. Yeah. that The talent is enough that just it, it makes me want to bet on it. The issue is that injury history is kind of, to your point, it, impossible to ignore.
0: Yeah, impossible to ignore is, is 100% true. It'll be interesting to see how the Twins, even this upcoming year, what they're going to do. I'm not sure what their financial status is like, but they've been pretty quiet so far besides this. Yeah. Um, one more extension. I think this one is interesting, and then we could talk about Miami a little bit because they've actually been pretty active. Sandy Alcantara, I think one of, I said, I said, uh, who did I say? Mark Canna was one of the most underrated players in baseball, Alcantara's got to be one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. Miami extends him five years, $56 million. This tells me how prepared for the future Miami is. And we have talked about it ad nauseum, Kim Ang, this Miami rotation, Sixto Sanchez, Hernandez, Pablo Lopez, Trevor Rogers. Jesus
1: the- Lazardo now. Too.
0: Exactly that move at the deadline last year. Rogers finished second in... NL Rookie of the Year voting. They are set up for so much success. I'm confident in the rotation. Now they need to get some bats, and that started with Avi Garcia, who they signed for four years, $53 million, which I think is great for Garcia, a little bit puzzling for Miami. And then news broke right before we started recording, Jacob Stahl- Stallings to Miami as well, one of the best defense. That's a really good move. League. Yeah, he was a really coveted Backstop for a lot of teams and a really nice pairing of defense and power, which you don't see very often in catchers. I think Miami is going to slowly start Mm -hmm. to piece things together. Maybe some under the radar trades, get some bullpen pieces. I I, I'm really, I I honestly think you should be scared of the Marlins, Pat, in the NL East. I really do.
1: Interesting. I do not think just yet that the Marlins are are there to to you know, push the Mets or the Braves Mix things up. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they're building. I absolutely do. I, I think, as I said, the Stallings move, I think is great. I, I understand adding a guy like Garcia, who's coming off a really good year, should be able to bolster things in their lineup a little bit. Uh, we love the pitching staff. The, the Sandy Alcantara is, is a fantastic extension. I'll lock up one of the better younger pitchers in the game. Cause why not? All the guys been yeah. is a really good pitcher. I think they're still in play for some guys that are out there right now. A, a name that I don't, I don't know. I just get a feeling is Kyle Schwarber to the Marlins could be mm. real interesting to add a lefty power bat in the middle of that lineup, you know, be able to add a little bit more legitimacy and pop there. I could see it. I mean, I I say, why not there? So I like the Marlins. I still think that they are, you know, pretty solidly below the the Braves and the Mets, but they can certainly be around where the Phillies are and they'll be yeah. better than the Nationals because the Nationals are going to be a mess.
0: Yeah, you're right in saying there are definitely a few tiers now in the NL East. But that being said, we thought that last year too. Mm-hmm. The NL East is just going to be one of those divisions that is a roller coaster all year long. And I will think that until proven differently yeah <laughs> until i see the mets translate this into wins i'm going to think that it's kind of going to be a free-for-all right now but i agree with you miami is certainly going in the right move in the right direction why not sign kyle schwerber right why not With that dh that lefty bat coming off the year he had got josh chisholm out there that miami's got some pieces
1: they do they DJ do
0: Bladet coming up
1: that's the exciting one yeah um is he next building. year
0: maybe think? possibly yeah
1: Anywhere else you want to hit?
0: Uh, I'm looking at my list. We didn't, I talk, think- we didn't talk too extensively about it, but I mean the, the offseason Toronto has had so far too. Burrios to that contract extension. And then Gosman, that rotation is pretty elite too.
1: Yeah, looking good. You know, you're hoping for some bounce back from Ryu. I think Manoa can continue to, to yep. progress. Uh, Nate Pearson is kind of the great, what could he be? Um, mm-hmm. If he can live up to it, so. Toronto is going to be interesting. Of course, they've got most of that core in there. Losing Simeon is going to hurt because it's just you're never ever going to replace that sort of production from a second baseman.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I'm I'm very intrigued to see how things turn out over there. But should still be a solid team, as you said, pitching wise. They they're looking good.
0: Yeah, I did want to talk about the Angels briefly. They've made three moves so far. They have all been pitchers: Michael Lorenzen, Aaron Loop, and the put in the pen. Who I know you are feel very passionately about. And then obviously Noah Sindergaard was the big one year, $21 million move. I think they are all good pitching decisions. And I don't say that lightly because I think it has been years since the angels made a good pitching decision. It's still risky. (laughs) It's still risky to give Noah Sindergaard $21 million and lose a draft pick for a guy that's pitched two innings, over two years, but I think you take that risk because of the upside. Michael Lorenzen is another two-way talent who was really good for the Reds for certain stretches of the season. Not a very consistent guy, but the upside is there. Now you go in, then you signed a big name. Like, I think they should be in on Strowman. I really do. I think they should be in. Yeah, why not?
1: I don't think Strowman's coming back. On some of the other...
0: No, I don't think so either. I think, honestly, Boston or LA are his two biggest uh destinations right now. What are some of the other big big pitching names on the market right now? Rodon. Why not give why not give Carlos Rodon a contract? There's nothing holding back the Angels from a fi- from the, the Angels from a financial standpoint. They need to continue to chip away at it because they have their offensive core set. Mm-hmm. Now they just need competent bodies in the rotation. And at this point, I don't think what they had in Patrick Sandoval, Griffin Canning, all those guys. I don't think that's enough.
1: No, it's a revamp. So to your, I think they should be involved at all levels of that pitching market. To your point, yeah. I don't see why not on Marcus Stroman at this point. He, I think he's burned a lot of bridges with the Mets, especially over the last couple yeah. of days. So I really <laughs> yeah. do think that he's gone. Um, and it, it does make sense to, to try to get a fresh start out on the West Coast there for a team that is looking for that pitching. Uh, you know, to your point with what they have added, Aaron Loop was incredible. So I, I think it's well worth a two-year $17 million deal to see how that goes. Uh, Noah Syndergaard is going to be a, an interesting one. You know, of course, they gave him above the qualifying offer to get him to leave the Mets, though. Of course, he has pitched two innings over the last two years, and the last year that he did pitch, he gave up the most earned runs in all of Major League Baseball. So, it's oh, been yeah, so it's been pretty bad. That. Yeah, and he's had injury problems even before that as well. So yeah. it's really, really risky to give up a draft pick for that, But to your point, you know, if this is the Noah Syndergaard from 2016, you know, and and at times when we've seen him flash, you're getting a great pitcher. You know, on a on a one year deal that's very affordable at 22 million, as we're seeing with all these contracts that are coming out. So I think the Angels are still in a really interesting position. It seems like they still have the ability to spend being that they were being linked to Max Scherzer last night and this morning still. Mm So I would expect them to still upgrade there. But I think it's a solid start. I still don't think they've added the guy in the rotation that makes you feel great. But it's as to your point, anything's an upgrade over what they were throwing out there.
0: Yeah, and like we said earlier when we were talking about DeGrom and Scherzer, you need those back-of-the-end guys. It's really nice to get a flashy name like Max Scherzer, but if you don't have that back end, it's going to create problems. Clayton Kershaw is still available. Zach Greinke is still available. There are a lot of, of moves that could be made, and honestly, I, I'm fine with taking a risk on Syndergaard because any one of their draft picks is a is a risk anyway because they've been so bad at drafting, except when they took 20 Pitchers in all twenty of their picks last year, as you and Mm -hmm. I have talked about. So they obviously have that plan. They could still re-sign Rizal Iglesias. I think that would be huge for them. He was incredible to end the season. A lot of good bullpen pitchers available. Man, what it's just what a frenzy it's been so far. We didn't. We probably didn't even get to half the deals, and we've still been talking about this for nearly an hour because there are so many different ways you can go. You could talk about it from a team perspective, from a player perspective, the market perspective, it's so fascinating to to keep up with everything.
1: What a really fun, you know, way to be able to start this baseball offseason. It is most likely never going to be like this again, because of course it's the circumstances that have gone in with the lockout though. As we discussed at the top of the show, I do wonder if MLB will try and find a way to make things more like this, but there's a lot of player movement. There's a lot of teams involved, which is great. Um, You know, you'd love to see players be able to get their money as well. Um, (laughs) Things it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And the most shocking thing I think is you look at this and you look at this market and as you kind of alluded to a little earlier, Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees have not done anything really in, yep. in terms of, of big money outlay or, or sort of outlay anywhere. Um, so that's kind of crazy and, and something to keep an eye on as well as we move closer to the lockout. And then of course, once things do resume,
0: yeah. Oh my God, you can continue with that list. The giants haven't done anything, the Dodgers haven't done anything. Dodgers
1: got rated today. They're going to have yeah. to make some
0: changes. Yeah, the, I think the Cubs are going to spend a lot of money this offseason. There are so many different ways you can do it out. Oh my God, I just, this is when we have our, our Jeff Passon notifications on, and I'm just glued to my phone. I, my screen time is just going to be disgusting after today. I was on my phone so much today, but I know we said we weren't going to do this. Houston really hasn't spent that much money either. Mm-hmm. I knew, I know we said we weren't going to do this because we're not, there's no point talking about and predicting something that could happen literally as soon as we finish. But Can you just give me like a couple of the next names you think are going to go off the market or where you think some of the big guys are going to go?
1: Interesting. Um, You know, Chris Bryant is the one that, or Correa, I do think ends up in Detroit. I just, especially with Texas gone, does not sound like the Yankees are going to match that. So I I just, I think 320.
0: Yeah. I've,
1: I've liked that match from the start. I think Bryant's going to have a ton of suitors just with the, uh, kind of flexibility that he brings. If the Mariners don't want to fish for Michael Conforto and they want to go real deep sea fishing and Chris Bryant and the Mariners
0: mm. could be interesting.
1: I still think Freddie Freeman is a brave and only a brave. I don't even oh, yeah. consider him going anywhere else. And then Trevor story is the interesting one because I don't really with the Rangers now finding their guy. I don't know. It, it, is it the Yankees? Do they get him mm-hmm. on just a cheaper deal than all the other shortstops out there? So that's kind of how I look at it. Are any any names you want to look at?
0: Yeah, I thought for sure Story was going to be the Rangers shortstop, especially like after Semyon. Yeah. right? Yeah, like maybe you just get Seager, but the fact that they got Seager and Semyon, oh my gosh, I agree. I think Correa goes to Detroit. I think Carlos Rodan's contract is going to be extremely interesting. I'm going to throw this out there. I think Chris Bryant could go to the Phillies. I think that's wow. going to be their biggest. Bryce's big sp- buddy. Yep. Big splash. And then you get a couple of bullpen pieces. And then I also think Clayton Kershaw will go to Texas. I think that's going to be their final move uh, and they're going to bring the vet home. And finally, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I mean, at this point I was, uh, you know, Sean of Oz McConaughey hosts Metroplex mania on blue. Wire, Hustle. I have mm-hmm. talked with him so much about this offseason and how the Rangers were going to sell tickets after the season they had last year. They don't, I don't think they're going to be thinking about that anymore, Probably especially not. if they can sign Clayton Kershaw.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, that big, beautiful new ballpark uh, is finally going to have a team that's a yep. more worthy of it. So,
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, crazy. All right. Well, if, if that's all you had, I my, my, my number is about the Rangers, so I will just tie a bow on this whole discussion. The craziest number I heard this week, and there were a lot of them, is $561 million. And that is the amount of money the Texas Rangers have committed to three players in the last 24 hours. Marcus Simeon, John Gray, and Corey Seager. They Mm. lost 102 games last year. And as we mentioned, we're so far away from being a playoff team. All the teams spending so far have not been playoff teams. And this is what's even more mind-blowing to me. The Rangers committed more money to Seager and Simeon than they committed in total payroll over the last four seasons and $90 million more to those two players. So I think it is absolutely phenomenal what the new GM is doing, Chris Young. He has a plan. They are following that plan. They're not afraid to spend money. And it is absolutely remarkable to watch. To me, someone who doesn't have any skin in the game, seeing the Rangers just pull themselves up from that abysmal le- year last year and go out there and legitimately be a playoff contender next year.
1: I mean, I, I think you hit everything there, and we, we've talked enough about it for me that uh, I'll <laughs> leave it at that. Pretty cool. Yeah, no, I love what you said. It's it's really cool. Um, okay. Sweet. My number goes to college football, and you'll be able to figure it out as soon as I go with it, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, 3,654, and that's the amount of days that it took for the university of Michigan to take down Ohio state. Jim Harbaugh got his first win over the Ohio state Buckeyes over the weekend, sending Michigan into the big 10 title game with one foot into the college football playoff. As long as they can come away with a win against Iowa over the weekend in the big 10 title game. It was first, the, just the storyline of it was great in the snow in Ann Arbor uh, it was a phenomenal visual Michigan whipped Ohio state physically. They, they really did. They dominated them on the ground. Michigan defensive line forced a lot of pressure on CJ Stroud, uh, Ohio state. I, I have to say, I really believe in Ohio state. I thought they had firmly kind of entrenched themselves as the number two team in the country going into that game. I felt really good about them going to Michigan and being able to win yet another one. And Harbaugh's boys came out and fight, and they finally got it. Three thousand six hundred and fifty-four days later.
0: How could you not love that, right? I actually thought you were going to go Lincoln Riley when you said about football. it. So love that the or man. Brian Kelly
1: now, since the that man- broke during this, I'm in shock right now as a Notre Dame fan. But wow, he just left for LSU as we record this. Really? Yeah, I <laughs> say we could have done that. <laughs>
0: This day, what is happening? It's it's been a crazy day
1: in sports. Yes, yeah, not
0: even getting to that. Um, I didn't get to watch the majority of the game, but honestly, I I think Ohio State is showing. It's just, it's got weaknesses like every other team. This is Mm -hmm. the first time that Ryan Day's been beat in conference in a considerably long amount of time, right? It's just one of those teams that Michigan has. They're so versatile. They're so good on both sides of the ball and they wore Ohio State down and it was incredible to watch at the end. And honestly, you don't have to be a football fan to appreciate that type of win, right? To see all the the fans on the field and the students and imagine being there and being able to say that you watched Michigan beat Ohio State for the first time in 3,000 however many days. That is really cool.
1: Yeah, the defense really let them down and then yep. Mich- Michigan, as I said, just physically ran all over them. Um good. both
0: it wasn't it was a physical matchup, yeah. That's mm-hmm. a really good point. They just outbodied them.
1: They did, so it was I, I was very, very surprised watching it. I, I definitely felt Ohio State had a, a very strong advantage with that team, but Michigan got it done for the first time in the harbor. They got it done.
0: What a weird week for college football, too. Spencer Rattler put his name in the transfer portal. Lincoln Riley's gone, up.
1: Brian yeah. Kelly's gone. It's wow. Things, uh, things have been crazy, and they're going to continue to be.
0: Oh, my poor screen time this week. It's just going not to be good. so devastating to watch. Not, not good. Yeah. <laughs> that was so much fun, though. I'm so glad we were able to do that. For the 50th episode, too. That yes. was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, uh, perfect. Perfect fit to be able to go yeah. MLB for it. But awesome. All right, that'll do it for us then here on the Did You Hear podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a rating, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Did You Hear Pod. We will be back at it next week. And Emma, that's a wrap.